You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. of Players vs. Pixels, or PvP for short. I'm Chris. And, and I am Richard. Sorry, I just cut you off. You're like, and with me as always is this asshole who cuts me off. <laughs> hey, AKA no worries. Richard, a.k.a. The Dick. <laughs> Living up to my name today, apparently. It, it's just what we do. That is our dynamic. So, <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, man, episode three already. It's pretty good. Right. I agree. Let's just jump right into shit. Yeah, and let's just be honest. Who doesn't like to just jump into shit? Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so some real quick stuff. Um, last episode, we were talking about SOE um, and, and Daybreak. Daybreak. Yeah. I looked it up, and I think you are correct. Yeah. Uh, like, it's, it's really confusing, though. Like, I looked up Points Daybreak me. games on wikipedia and it started mm-hmm. out like talking about nothing but soe and i was like oh okay that's weird and then eventually it gets to yeah soe went bankrupt so it got sold to some like trust company and then they renamed it to daybreak hmm. so yeah i i think it basically is the same studio just renamed now interesting yeah um, we talked about Downwell coming to Android um, on episode one, and you asked if it was going to be coming to like PS4 and stuff. Turns out it is. Nice. Uh, one of the Japanese PlayStation sites put out a video of like a bunch of indie games that are be that are going to be coming to PlayStation and Downwell was like the very first one on that video. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh the division is getting a second beta. Called it right. <laughs> you I told you it was a matter did. of when. <laughs> well, it's going to be coming February 18th yep. for Xbox One. Xbox One. February 19th through the 20th for PS4 and PC. Uh, Xbox One just is starting 24 hours earlier, just like they did last time. And this beta will be open to everyone. It won't be a closed beta. So everyone will get to try The Division, which they should. So this one's guaranteed access. (laughs) Just kidding. That's a little little joke but no uh so okay speaking of the division for just a moment here because it's gonna happen every podcast from now until we stop playing the game apparently so it's cool we'll just dedicate like a five to ten minute window for the division um no so with with the beta they've made a lot of improvements a lot of changes they're going to be bringing in a lot of new uh enemy types into the dark zone they're going to include a secondary pve mission and uh, something I heard recently that I thought was pretty interesting is I guess there was a lot of people in the community complaining about the weapon skins drops. And a lot of people were confused as to how to acquire them, how they dropped, you know, if there was going to be certain rarities and that sort of stuff. And so anyway, 
I think this is really cool, but Ubisoft has has come out and said, okay, we've listened to you guys, and what we're going to do is, in the game, we're going to include a weapon skins vendor. So they're actually adding a vendor to the game before the game even comes out based on feedback from before the game's even come out. So in my opinion, right, like that's so great to hear that a developer is actively listening to the community and, and then also remedying Rim, uh, I can't even say the word, finding solutions. I'll just bypass it um, <laughs> instead of struggling with it for the next five minutes and sounding really stupid. No, yeah, so I think it's really great that they're they're finding a solution for this already and, and they're they're throwing this out there before the game even launches. Like, this is just response to the beta. So that gives me really good hopes for where this game is going and how it's going to be handled and things like that. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts you'd like to add to that real quick while we're on the topic? No, I mean... Ubisoft has been making some of my favorite games for a long time. And so when they do stuff like this, where they already have a game that I'm really excited to play, but they've listened to the community that wants to play this game, and they're adding improvements based on what we're saying, that's just fucking amazing yeah i completely agree with you and the other thing why we're on the topic of ubisoft is that they also well we're on ubisoft and news so it's kind of two birds yeah the same stone um but yeah they they are actually confirmed or they are actually confirming watchdogs 2 which is interesting because i know a lot of people originally had issues with the first watchdogs so what are your thoughts on that uh, I'm really excited for it. Like ever since we saw our first glimpses of Watchdogs, I've been ridiculously excited to play that game. I unfortunately haven't had a chance yet to play it, even though I have owned it for a couple months now. <laughs> backlog, I've <just> been, yeah. <laughs> my, my backlog is deep. Um, that's that's what she said. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I, I, I watched you play Watch Dogs a little bit. Yes. Um, I streamed it, it a bit, out, and yeah. yeah, like I, it looks like a great game from what I could see. I understand the complaints that people had, um, but I don't. I don't really think that I would have those complaints because it looks like a good game to me. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting because I, I think one of the biggest complaints that you know people had on initially was the fact that there was a degradation to the graphics from E3 to final release, which, you know, I mean, that's almost going to happen with everything. You know right. what I mean? Like, they're running that demo in a perfect environment with, you know, a perfect set of parameters for it because... You know, quite frankly, you don't want your tech demo to crash in the middle of E3 and things like that. So, yeah. and, and, you know, I mean, yes, I can understand people saying it's a, a little misleading. But at this point, you know, I think we're all kind of used to that. We kind of understand they're going to be running these things on high-end PCs. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be a little bit of downplay to the graphics from, from PCs to consoles and things like that. And, you know, if you really do want the best graphics, and quite frankly, if that's all you really care about, then maybe stop playing games on consoles yeah. i don't know just a thought you know what i mean like go get the pc version play it on your pc and then you you know can load up shitloads of e and b mods and all that other crap and you can make it look as good as you want 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the gameplay was great. I, I really enjoyed the game. Did it have its issues? Did it have its problems? Sure. Um, you know, lack of content and, and repetition to some of the missions being one, but let's be honest, it's, it was a brand new IP, so that's exactly what happened with Assassin's Creed when it first came out. So, yeah. you know, I, I definitely want to keep an open mind about this. I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed the story of the first one. So I'm I'm really interested to see a second one and see where they go, and, and I, I hope that they can bring more to the table this time and you know, maybe people will be on board with it. So, oh, I I did remember one thing about that announcement yeah. of Watch Dogs Two. Yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, they said that Watch Dogs Two would be out by April first, two thousand sixteen. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, like, That's when like right I, up there, when oh, I read that, I was like, "Are they being serious? Or are they just like?" putting out their april fool's joke early and well, maybe this... like garnering some possible uh support for a possible sequel that they aren't yeah, necessarily the waters. yeah they should have leaked some deadpool footage that worked for them they got the movie right off of leaked stuff so they should have been like oh this is leaked footage from watchdogs too and then everybody would have been like yeah but the graphics like, you know what i mean <laughs> And it's funny because I was going to say, like, you know, hey, you know, get ready to bust out your digital picks or your digital pitchforks and torches and clear the dust off of them. But, you know, let's be honest. The way the Internet is these days, they're not sitting long enough to collect dust, okay? They really aren't. Yeah. I mean, they're, like, highly polished at this point, you know, like glistening titanium platinum encrusted, you know, pitchforks of troll rage. Oh, they're they're making new pitchforks and... All yeah. that shit every second. Exactly. Pitchfork um, of cursing plus 10. Yeah. So with that announcement, um, mm-hmm. the big part of that announcement, I think, was that they came out and said there will be no Assassin's Creed this year. They yes. are skipping this year and yes. letting the next release, which should be set in Egypt... Um, mm-hmm. come out in 2017. So that's a cool idea. You, I know that you and I both have a problem with yearly releases um, just because... I don't, have, I don't have a problem with them if they're done well. Well, that's the thing. But usually that isn't one. enough time right. to make them... right. Especially with the scale of, of Assassin's Creed games. I mean, they've just gotten so outrageously big. And it's funny, too, because I bought Unity day one, and I didn't have any of the problems these other people had, which obviously they had. I mean, there was videos, screenshots, animated GIFs, everything. I mean, like, there's documented proof. Like, it wasn't just me being like, mm, I don't know, Internet people. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> experiencing that. You must be full of shit. But I'm just saying I got really lucky. I didn't have any, you know, issues with the game on a technical level. Right. Uh, but even then, I can I can certainly understand the frustration of, of a lot of people who did. And, you know, even then, I think... Even if it's done extremely well, like a game, not just not just Assassin's Creed, but any game, right? Like, I think any game that has annual titles, I think at some point you do get bored of them. And you're kind of like, oh, I need a breather. You know, I need yeah. like a year or two to just breathe in some fresh, clean gaming air that isn't 
this, you know, and I think it's a really good move for Ubisoft to do that. And I think they can finally do it because, you know, sure, they're going to say the technical issues and all that, which, yes, that's a part of it. However, I personally feel like a major part of it is actually the fact that they're just dominating with their games right now between, you know, RB6, The Division coming out, they've got a, you know, Ghost Recon in the pipeline, you've got Assassin's Creed Syndicate that was doing really well, you know, all the other trickle-down Assassin's Creed games. So, I mean, like, from a financial standpoint, like, they're really well off, and they're going to be really well off this year with The Division and everything like that, and, and the Assassin's Creed film that's coming out, so... You know, I think I think from a from a standpoint of of timing, I think it's also like okay, well, financially we don't have to you know lean on this Assassin's Creed you know crutch so heavily, so we can go ahead and take a year off and you know give the dev teams a little bit of extra time to make it great. So, oh, absolutely. I hope they can do that. Yeah, I hope they can do it. Destiny, love it or hate uh-huh. it, it. Or both is a behemoth. Yeah, exactly. Which that's, is absolutely that's usually my case. how it works out. Yeah, um, it's the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde effect of my gaming life right now. <laughs> like, part of me is like, I want to love you so much, but you just make me hate you, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> well, that's, that's that's my relationship with Destiny. They, we're uh, obviously not Valentines this year. <laughs> we're we're like, you go fucking do your thing, Destiny. I'm going to go do mine, and maybe next year, maybe next year we can meet back up and you know, make some sweet, sweet gaming time or something. I don't know. Uh, there's some interesting stuff going on with Destiny right now. Um, they oh. released a Valentine's Day event. See, look at that. Um, <laughs> which in... The, the, the main part of it is a new Crucible playlist um, mm. called Doubles, I believe, uh, or something like that. So you can only enter this playlist if you're in a fire team of two people, which is a cool way oh. to do it. Um, and like once the person, one of the people on your team dies, the remaining person gets like a buff to reload and damage and stuff. Um, so it sounds like a cool game type, but since they have a lot of rewards in it that drop seemingly no matter how well you do, people have found you know, destiny. Uh, yeah, exactly. People have found that the best way to do this uh, event is just as soon as you can jump off a ledge. Your whole team just jump off a ledge so that you know, the match ends and everybody gets their rewards as quickly as possible. Of course. You know, that's what I was going to say. You know, Destiny is by far one of the, the – it's like one of the weirdest case studies of, in gaming in my opinion, right? Is like how how in the world is it that more often than not you get rewarded for not playing the game? And, and it's even funnier when you think of the loot cave, right? Like, oh, we don't want people playing our game that way. But yet we've implemented all of these other things to make it reward the people that play the game the least. Like – Okay, thank you, RNG Jesus, and your backwards thinking, but, you know, whatever. And, I, and to be fair, to be fair, I'm just going to say this. I haven't played Destiny since the Taken King has launched. I've heard they've made monumental jumps and improvements to the game since then, but I'm still bitter, and I'm still cautious, but eventually I'm going to dive back in because I do have the Taken King, 
So I, I am going to eventually get into checking that out. But I'm still really skeptical. And, and why we're on news I'll, and talking about Destiny, let's just jump right into this. I'm also very skeptical because they've already announced that they're going to put out another huge expansion before the end of this year, which is probably going to cost another 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. And then they also announced that in 2017, they're going to be launching another Destiny game. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where my wallet's like, yeah, I think I'm not going to do that so much. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. Um, however, with this farming of this event, because it is like the only place that you can find uh, light level 320 uh, ghost shells, I think. Which Jesus they Christ. they redid how the the leveling system works. So like all of your equipment goes. It's it's kind of like the CR in um, DCUO if you remember that, where everything sure. yeah. contributes to an overall rating. Right. Um, yeah, your combat rating in in DCUO. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So people have been farming the hell out of this thing. I read on the destiny subreddit because i am subscribed to it that one guy farmed this event for 24 hours got like close to a thousand drops and still didn't get that ghost shell oh that's which led a lot of people to think that maybe uh bungie messed up their loot tables again Mm-hmm. Because they said that they were going to be dropping or going to be buffing the loot tables for the nightfall so that ghost shells would drop more often so that people could, you know, reach a higher level easier because it is ridiculously difficult to find a a good ghost shell. Like, I will absolutely attest to that. Everything else is pretty easy ghost shells are damn near impossible so i'm guessing this week bungie edited the loot tables so that in the nightfall ghost shells would drop more readily a lot of people are thinking that bungie messed up the loot tables for everything and buffed the nightfall but decreased it for everything else which they have done before yeah he has like you know that's not you know, it's not an uncommon thing to happen with that game, and, you know, that's where a lot of the problems come from, is stuff like that, the way that they've handled the community, the way they've really treated a lot of longtime players has been questionable by, by some of them, you know, and, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with the Gallahorn. I mean, there's, like, people that were hitting the, the, the year mark, you know, for year one, and were like, yeah, I still don't have my Gallahorn. And oh, yeah, so, I've never you know, gotten Gallahorn. Then, yeah, well, and then they went out and nerfed it anyway, so it's like, yeah. well, pff, doesn't matter anyhow now, but yeah, so I don't know, it's just really strange the the way that they're handling that game and, and the PR behind it. Don't get me wrong, like, when I played it, you know, minus the frustrations with all the changes and everything that were going on, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun. Like, we had, a, we had a, a lot of fun for quite a while with it, with the raids and all that. Like, honestly, I, if the game was just all the raids... Which would be extremely difficult to do because, you know, they obviously have put a tremendous amount of time into developing those. But if they would, you know, have more of those, you know, maybe I'd probably still be playing it because it was a hell of a lot of fun. But, yeah. you know, I don't know. The whole three-man fire team thing really bugged me, you know, which maybe it shouldn't, you know, to be fair. Maybe I should be okay with it. But I'm like, you know, we're at a day and age where I think we're 
four players is standard minimum now. And, you know, I think I said it in episode one or two that, you know, we need to start moving towards, you know, a player co-op and, and oh, yeah. you know, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it is what it is. But, and again, to be fair, you know, the price of the expansion they put out later this year might be reasonable and whatever they do with supposedly a Destiny game next year could also be reasonable. So I don't want to jump the gun and just start, like, hating on it entirely, but... There are a lot of us guardians that are scorned, Bungie. That's all I'm saying. No, you're you're absolutely right. It could very well be priced reasonably, but there is plenty of evidence that tells us that it probably won't. Yep. And with the division coming out this year, sorry, but my interest lies somewhere else for the moment. You know, I absolutely agree, but I did see some news today that got me really uh excited and it is Uh-oh. destiny related oh, oh however it's not destiny the video game related mega blocks oh. is doing a destiny line and it looks fucking amazing oh yeah i did see that actually those do look pretty good yeah they've got like the spider tank and like sparrows and all kinds of stuff and it the sets look fantastic yeah no the the pictures and stuff that i saw of it Oh, excuse me. The pictures I saw of it looked really good, too. Uh, you know, it's it, it's funny, though, because, like, again, it's just so easy to make a joke about it because it's like, okay, well, you know, we're we're doing a Destiny line of ships. All right, so two ships. Cool. Got it. Let's, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, and again, that's just me being bitter and angry and, and making a really bad joke at Bungie's expense. But to be fair, though, they do look super cool and they look really good, like, for sure, like the the mega blocks definitely look pretty badass. So yeah. I would I would recommend checking those out if you're into building block sets because they look pretty badass. And who isn't really? I mean, come on. I don't know. I don't know anybody. I mean, shit. That's why Minecraft's so massive, right? It's kind of a digital version of of that in a way. So yeah, kind of. Yeah, sort of. I mean, like loosely, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh. All right, so two more things real quick. Um, Okay, you and I both are big fans of Warframe. Yes. Digital Extremes is a great developer. Um, They listen to their community a lot. They do have missteps every now and then. Sure. um, With some of of their customer service. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, for the most part, we love them. They put out yeah. content constantly for Warframe for free. Uh, they also give players plenty of chances to donate money to the game if they feel like it um, mm-hmm. through buying their Prime Access platinum. or just buying Platinum, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, they have been working on a Dungeons & Dragons game for a while now oh my goodness (laughs) this is so awesome sorry go ahead just super excited for this oh yeah no i totally am too uh so this game is called sword coast legends and it's been on pc for a little while i think it came out earlier this year or earlier this year earlier 2015 but it's coming to PS4 and Xbox One later this spring. And I saw on the article that I was reading that it would be 20 bucks. So, like, it's very competitively priced as far as I'm concerned. 
Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking into that because who doesn't like Dungeons and Dragons? No, yeah, I I totally agree with you. And this looks visually from they they do have a couple of you know game images and stuff up, and it's still you know in development. So again, don't go strictly off that. And you know, let's be honest, we don't always play games for the visuals. So yeah. even with all that being said, though, the visuals they do have up. Uh, for a D&D type game looks pretty pretty good. So oh, yeah. I, I have to agree with you. I'm pretty stoked for this. Like, I think it's a really cool way to use the internet finally to... Because that's our biggest problem, right? Like, when mm-hmm. we go to play D&D, the biggest problem is is that all of us are kind of scattered around and, you know, we're in different cities and things like that. So it becomes really difficult to get your, your you know, local group together to, to sit down and actually, you know, run through a campaign. So having that ability to be like, hey, you know, we've got an hour or two here. We're all online. Let's just fire up some D&D on the old, you know, consoles or whatever. Like, I think that's a really cool approach. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the last thing on my list of news is Amazon released its own game engine, which Lumberyard. is Yumba- Lumberyard, yes. Yeah. And it is based on Crytek's CryEngine. So yes. that is ridiculously cool because it's, it looks gorgeous. Oh yeah. Like Battlefield and all of that has been on uh the CryEngine, I believe. So that's just an indicator of what is possible with this game engine. So it it's completely free unless well, wasn't Battlefield on Frostbite? Oh shit. You know what? I think you're right now. God damn it. Because, like, Far Cry is on that. And um, what was the other one? Far Cry and... Oh, my God. It has Cry in the name, too. Crytek. No, Crytek. What the hell's the other one? The one where you have, like, the bio suit and aliens and shit show up. Uh, Crisis? That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Damn it. You are absolutely right. It is Far Cry that is on CryEngine. Yeah, I am mistaken. It's um, okay. So yeah, I could see I could see why you would be confused though, because they do kind of focus on the foliage a, a lot. Like that's one of the biggest parts to the, uh, well, was one of the biggest parts to Crytek, and it makes sense that they would also then turn around and name the engine Lumberyard, uh, because yeah. that's definitely what it seems to be pretty heavily suited towards creating is is more um, natural environment types you can do other stuff in it too sure you know what i mean but it definitely has a foot up on a lot of other engines when it comes to like the foliage side of things like the grass and the trees and all that sort of stuff looking at what actually is by CryEngine, rise son of rome uh more mm-hmm. recently we've got homefront evolve you know lots of cool games absolutely Um, so them releasing this game engine for free no royalties or anything like with unity there it's free until you start making more than ten thousand dollars in revenue on whatever project you used Mm -hmm. then you have to start paying royalties Unreal's the same way. They yeah. have a, a an amount clause in there to where you hit a certain amount, and then you have to start paying them royalties off the engine as well. Right. With yeah. Lumberyard, there's none of that unless yeah. you start using Amazon Web Services 
for like multiplayer type stuff. Right. Which is really cool. Computing stuff, right? Yeah. Did you read the have you read the terms of service though? Because they have like an actual clause in there about a real life zombie attack happening. <laughs> which I thought was I thought it was pretty awesome that they included that in there. I mean nobody reads those things and I think this just kind of proves that almost nobody reads them. Yep. But yeah, there is absolutely a zombie apocalypse clause inside of the terms of service for use with lumberyards. So that's pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, I I did see that, and it gave me one hell of a good chuckle. The other thing that's super cool too is I don't know how much you've looked into it, but I, like I was, you know, because we had been talking about maybe trying to do some game development stuff ourselves, and so you know that's obviously a really big part of it is using you know what engine you're going to use and things like that. And so as you know, this coming out, it's like oh okay, well maybe we should actually look into this one. And like when I started like looking into it on their website. They're not only giving you the engine for free, they also have, like, uh, supplemental packages for 3D content that they're giving you, like, all of these, like, you know, landscape packages, tutorials. Uh, There's one that I saw that's, like, an entire AI, uh, or, sorry, an entire FPS game. Like, it's, like, a little mini game that's built into it, basically, but it has, like, all of the AI components and vehicles and all this sort of stuff so that you can actually look at it and start, like, reverse engineering it to help learn, like, their coding system and stuff for the Lumberyard engine. Nice. So, I mean, they're giving you a tremendous amount of of content and access to this thing for free. So, if you're somebody who's out there who's thinking about, you know, hey, I, you know, I want to make a game, but like, I just, I don't know, you know, like this might just be the engine to jump onto and and try to figure it out and and go from there. But yeah, I mean, not to take anything away from Unreal or Unity, they're both great engines. But I mean, you know, if you're a small small indie dev. And, you know, I don't know, like, not to say that their royalties are unfair. I don't want to say they're unfair. But, I mean, like, when you're just starting out, you know, and every single penny counts to keeping the lights on and paying, you know, everyone involved, like, not having to pay royalties uh, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Amazon is being really aggressive with... uh their pricing for this engine like they are going after the market share that unity and unreal have held for so long so it'll be really interesting to see what people start doing with this lumberyard engine mm-hmm. i'm curious to see how it handles on the consoles too because i know that's one of the primary issues that has kind of come up with unity at least is that there seems to be a lot of frame rate issues from games that are developed on that and then transferred over into the consoles so but and and i don't know why that is i couldn't give you an answer and you know it's not something that happens 100 percent of the time but it's definitely a known issue so it'll be interesting to see how well this is at you know jumping from desktop pc platform to the consoles and how well they handle that so it'll be pretty interesting oh absolutely i guess with that let's go ahead and get into our main focus for this week, which is The Witness. Oh, yeah. I forgot we were talking about that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So we've been playing this game over this week um, pretty pretty heavily. And, like, every time that I've talked with Richard about this game, like, this game is so unique in a way in its approach to how you tackle the game 
that like we have we had to speak in like riddles to each other to try and figure like <laughs> like it was a puzzle between us trying to talk about this game with each other yeah it, it's you know i think one of us made the joke that this was like puzzleception right you know it's like yeah. a puzzle within a puzzle within a puzzle and even almost talking about this game becomes a puzzle like you said because so basically this is what i imagine happened you know this this is just my adventure that i'll take everyone listening on so here we are flashback to i don't know we'll say a few years ago i don't have the official thing in front of me so i can't say that it was like five years ago that jonathan blow started working on this but let's just say it was a few years ago and he's just sitting in his house or you know fancy apartment or wherever he lives and he's he's looking at video games and he says hmm it's interesting and then he looks around his apartment and he sees a book that says game design rules. <laughs> he walks over to this book and picks it up, stares deeply at it, walks over, opens his window and says, fuck this fucking book because it's a piece of shit. <laughs> and then he throws it out the window, hits some old lady, causes a car accident. And then he looks down and he's like, I'm going to make the witness. Because none of that following progression made any sort of sense in my story any more than it does in The Witness. And that, quite frankly, is what makes The Witness so beautifully brilliant that you literally – it's literally like if I was to take you and give you like a 100 bucks and drop you off in Manhattan and you were from Pluto. Like you wouldn't have a clue what was going on. But there's this innate drive in you to discover and to – learn and to question and then to be satisfied once you've accomplished something that you seemingly discovered even though there really isn't a real motivation necessarily behind that other than the fact that you're just discovering things and it's super cool because you literally can start this game and just go anywhere you want you know yeah. i mean provided you can solve the puzzle and open doors but i mean outside of that like there really isn't this you know stereotypical hand-holding that happens in a lot of games there's not this like repetitive beat you over the head with okay well you gotta do this and then maybe you go over <laughs> here but once you go over here oh no you gotta have these skills you gotta know what you're doing no you don't have that in this this is literally like hey here's a world get off your ass go explore it learn make mistakes learn from those mistakes beat your head against the wall because you can't figure it out walk oh, away yeah. from it come back from it you've got it solved and it's brilliant every single step of the way so brilliantly done <laughs> yeah but the, it's so true oh go ahead go ahead go ahead uh, the, the the only type of hand holding that this game does have is at the very beginning of the game they give you a couple prompts which is like move the left stick forward to move <laughs> And hold down L2, well, L2 on the PS4, which we were playing sure. on, right. to run. That's it. Everything else you have to figure out on your own. Yep. There, There's no text in this game to read about how to do these puzzles or anything. You literally have to figure out every step of the way. And it's fucking amazing. No, it really is. And, and you know, to go back and, and kind of give a little bit more detail in case there's, you know, some people that are listening that are confused. 
the reason and, and this is what i mean like with the fact that there's no flowing structure to the game makes it very difficult to talk to somebody else without potentially solving or ruining a puzzle or something for them because right you can literally just start the game and then go over here and solve this puzzle or you can go over here and solve that puzzle. So then if you're like trying to talk to somebody about it, like, and and that's what happened to us, right? Like this isn't a spoiler, I don't think, but you know, we were like playing and like, I was over here and I was like, Hey, have you opened this door? And you were like, what? No. How the fuck did you open that door? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. (laughs) I just kept trying things until it worked. And then it opened and I was like, I'm a fucking genius. And then you were like, Hey, hey, have you found this boat? And I'm like, shut the f*** up. There's a boat in the game? <laughs> and then I was like, now I'm like on a quest because I'm like, well, where's the boat? Like, that, that, that does, I mean, it makes sense that there'd be a boat. It's an island, but where's the boat? And so then it's like becomes this whole thing for me to like try and find it. But, but you're right. Like, it's just so uniquely crazy. And, and I think it's cool too because I think this kind of does maybe go into a little bit of a commentary on on you know the game design world and and well rather not that but rather the misconceptions of how games should or have to be designed Mm -hmm. and you know in a lot of ways i would say that a lot of people feel that games have to be created to reach the lowest common denominator and i don't mean that in a negative way right but it it there is a certain level of simplicity that is usually you know forced upon every single game to make sure that nobody's quote unquote left out yeah. And the thing with this game is is it's like, well, F that. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to make our game, and our game is for people that want to have this type of experience. They don't want to be force-fed things. They want to have this exploration journey of discovery. Because really, at the heart of this game, I feel like that's really what, what Jonathan Blow was trying to accomplish, was to just give players an experience that wasn't trying to talk down to them that wasn't just assuming that they didn't know what they were doing but rather it was saying like well okay here's a world be an adventurer go out and discover things because innately that's human i mean that's what we do that's why we went to the moon i mean if you believe that sure some people still don't i mean whatever (laughs) i I don't know how you don't believe that but whatever you know there's a lot of conspiracy theorists that don't believe that but there is something innately built into humans to have the desire to adventure to discover and Mm -hmm. and to investigate and to learn and and this game is probably one of the only games i've ever played in my whole life that literally just says go for it and there's something so ridiculously organically human about it that the moment you play it you're just like wow yeah this is something different like this is truly something different and I've played quite a few puzzle games in my day, mm-hmm. but this one, quite frankly, blows the doors off of what it means to be a puzzle game. And I don't think we'll probably ever see another real puzzle game to the level that this is. Like, I would be surprised if if we do, and, and it, especially if it's rapid or soon, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, a lot of people online and stuff have said that the witness is very much like an intellectual type game. I completely disagree. Like the witness is very simplistic, but you have to be able to figure things out. Like you have to be able to learn. That is the one skill that you need for this game. 
there's no like like skill gating of like oh you need to go over here and acquire this skill to do this thing i mean in a way there is because there are puzzles that you don't necessarily know how to open because you don't know the rules for them and you learn the rules by doing uh puzzles like each section of the island has a sort of tutorial set of puzzles that are just there to teach you a specific rule that you'll learn uh, to use in other puzzles throughout the island. And it's just really cool. Like, I would recommend this game for anyone. Like, even small children... Oh yeah, I mean, I think it would. It's. I think they would actually be probably better at it than we are because oh, you know kids. Absolutely. Kids innately are like sponges, and they want to learn and they want to be challenged. And and I will say that's what this game it really shines at is challenging you. And and it's funny because like I said, there's there's times where you know I went out and I looked at a puzzle and I'm just like, yeah, this is this is impossible. You can't solve this. <laughs> and then you know I walked away from it for I don't know a couple minutes, five twenty minutes, whatever it was. And then I solved a bunch of other puzzles. And then I came back to it and I was like, oh, you know what? No, this does make sense now. And mm-hmm. you know I think a lot of it also kind of forms around the the stigma that adults have, which is you know be perfect don't make mistakes yeah and this game is is you know it's really interesting because braid was kind of similar in this sense right like he didn't want to punish you for dying in the game so it had you know kind of this rewind time mechanic to it and so that's kind of the same thing with the witness in the sense that he's he's seemingly very much telling you like you know go out and make mistakes and and it's a safe place to make mistakes like the game doesn't pop up and be like <laughs> you're an idiot like it never it never does anything to question your your intellectual level like it never responds with like hey you're an idiot you know what i mean like it's very yeah. much like no that wasn't right like give it another go and I think that's really rewarding too, because and it, and it makes the satisfaction that much better when you actually do come back and you you accomplish those puzzles and you figure those those things out. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think this is a game that everyone could play. However, mm-hmm. I think there's a a lot of people that are just going to be like, you know what, no, like I'm not going to do this. Like it's there's no story to it. There's you know, which there isn't really a direct narrative, but I mean, there's a, like when you find like the audio recorders and the videos that play underneath the windmill in the video room, like there is a very deep subtext that this game is telling you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's worth that journey alone. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're not a person that likes puzzles, I still think you're somebody that's going to want to take this journey just to have that experience, you know, especially as a gamer, it's very unique experience for gamers to have this type of interaction with the game. And so, you know, why wouldn't you want to check that out? Yeah, maybe it's not for you. Maybe, you know, you give it a shot and you're like, hey, you know, I don't, I didn't really care for it. That's okay. But at least give it a a shot, you know? Yeah, no, like I, every article that I ever see about The Witness that has a comment section, without fail, some of the top comments are, oh, this is just a game about drawing lines. Not interested that's the mechanic of the game like that's how you get through the game but i mean that isn't at all all that the game is offering 
You know, no. I mean, like, we could boil down any game to the most basic components. Like, oh, this is a game about just moving a character to the right and jumping. Sure, yeah. Yeah, right. fuck Super Mario Brothers. That's totally, like, lame. Who the hell wants to just walk to the right and jump? No, yeah, I, no. I, I mean, I would say that you're 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 absolutely correct. You know, and and like I said, I really do feel that the the biggest thing behind this game is experience. It's the experience of experiencing this game, oh, and yeah. it's really about the exploration and and the self discovery. You know, like honestly, that's if if you were gonna try to boil it down to simplicity, mm-hmm. that I feel would be the correct representation of what this game is and what this game is trying to do. And I think it also accomplishes accomplishes that very, very well. I completely agree. Um so Let's instead of talking about the puzzles and stuff, let's talk a little bit more about like the atmosphere of sure. the game because that's Absolutely. just that's the part that blows me away is the atmosphere. Like mm-hmm. the game is visually stunning. Um, it, it's a very like toned down kind of simplified art style. Um, which is fantastic because this game is tiny. Like the file size for the actual game is pretty minuscule compared to a lot of other games. Um, Do you know what it is off the top of your head by any chance? I, I believe it's less than a gig or, or or something like that. Or maybe it's around like four gigs. But yeah, it's tiny compared to like twenty gigs for like. Destiny, I think, recently had like an 18 gig update or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, Grand Theft Auto 5 is like 60 gigs on the PS4 or yeah. like almost. Uh, so is Dragon Age. I mean, yeah, th- th- they're very, very large uh, file sizes. And, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that small. I didn't even I didn't even look, to be honest. Yeah, like it. it I only noticed because it downloaded so fast. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, but not only just the visual style, the sound in this game is fucking immersive. Like, when I first started The Witness, like, my first reaction to everything was, oh, this all looks really pretty. There's something fucking sinister going on. And, like, as I was exploring and stuff, that just got cemented in my brain like there's a there's a section that i absolutely hate going by because it fucking like gives me chills and makes me freeze up for a second whenever i'm by that area and i think i talked to you a little bit about that it's uh with the bamboo reeds like when Uh. you go by that main structure where they're all like humming that fucking like scares the shit out of me to my core yeah it's funny because you know i don't think either one of us has you know quote unquote finished the game you know no. what i mean like meaning 100% because you know I, I don't know I, I think at this point i think i've done close to 200 and, i don't know 200 and something panels and i think we were 
reading online because again it's very difficult like even that's like scared me when i started like trying to read stuff that wasn't like walk because that's the first thing you type in the witness and it's just like plethora of yeah. walkthroughs and you know puzzle videos and stuff and so you know i was like oh my god like i don't want to see any of that but i came across an article where they were talking to um someone on the team i don't remember who it was mm-hmm. uh, and they were saying that there's roughly 650 panels in the game so you know you don't have to complete every single one of those to reach the game's ending right from what i've heard um but i haven't done that yet i still even with that being said i haven't reached the end of the game and so i don't i don't know if there's something that's going on that is like you said sinister you know like because you kind of do have that like and maybe it's because we played portal right you know what i mean where like you're like oh my gosh this is a test you know and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so maybe there is maybe there isn't i don't know but i agree with you there are times where i do get that vibe that i'm like oh man this is like some deep weird psychological experiment that you know (laughs) is gonna just totally mess with me but and whether it is or there isn't doesn't really matter because that's the experience that we're having playing it like somebody else could literally walk away with something completely different and you know ultimately at the end of the day that's what this game really is about is the experience of it all so yeah i mean i i absolutely agree with you um I am not as far along in the game as you are, unfortunately. Um, oh, I thought you'd be—I thought you'd be pretty close to that by now. <laughs> well, I—you—you got to be pretty close to that. I, I, I'm probably close to 200 puzzles solved. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, uh, not 200 panels, which that probably makes no sense to someone who hasn't played the game. But the game does keep track of puzzles solved, which, when you start out, is all panels. And then you start noticing other things. Well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I looked at it wrong. I I might have actually looked at it wrong. I might be around 200 and something puzzles. You're right. Because you're right. There is is a difference. which you're right it's very hard to explain that without giving stuff away but but you correct there is a difference so yeah maybe maybe i'm saying that wrong but well i mean either way i i'm positive that you're a pretty good way ahead of me um i and i I did start it before you did too true Um, so that that has some play on it as well yeah and i i didn't play it at all yesterday or the day before so uh there's that right yeah like i like we have two completely different approaches to this game almost like i started out being very methodical like going around to each of the segments and trying to figure out the main um rules for all of this stuff and then eventually I just, like, got frustrated, and I was like, oh, okay, like, I'll just look around. Whereas you started out, from the sounds of it, just kind of looking around. I, I Yeah, I did. I, like, shot out of that gate, like, that white gate at the very beginning. I was like, 
this world is my playground. And I just, I went everywhere. I was like, screw it. I'm going anywhere I can get to without opening a door. I'm going there. And, uh, and, and then, yeah, it's funny because then, you know, I kind of almost started, I guess, in a way, like, see, that's where it's even difficult. Like, I, I can't even really say this truthfully because it's like I technically started in what I would consider to be a reverse order, but you know there there really isn't an order. So right. I, you know I I think I was I think it was me that made the reference when you know because at one point there was you me and crows and we were all in a party mm-hmm. and we weren't we weren't you know walking each other through puzzle solving or anything like that, but we were just no. generally talking and and you know communicating about other stuff and and then we'd be like you know we'd hear somebody be like ah oh, you know fuck this fucking puzzle like god and then you're like okay well they're obviously somewhere stuck yeah and and you know it's so funny because it seemed like every single one of us had a different approach and i and and you know kind of a different mindset to the game and i think that's where i was like yeah this is like the jeet kundo of of gaming because <laughs> it's a style without a style like there's there's really no right or wrong way to uh, approach this and you know it's funny because like I got to some of these puzzles that look like they were super complex and I'd spend a few minutes and then I'd, I'd have them, you know, figured out, mm-hmm. not even, not even necessarily knowing quote unquote what the rules were because I didn't go hit all of those, those sections. But then I would go back to one where I'd be looking at it and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, like what am I doing wrong here? And you yeah. know, it's because you have an understanding of potentially one of the rules and maybe you found another rule out just from experimentation, but now there's a third or fourth or fifth or however many rules you have to the puzzle that's missing from this one. And you're just like sitting there like really banging your head against the wall trying to figure out what it is that you're doing wrong. And so it's really fascinating to to see that type of, of thing occur w- differently to three of us playing it and, and how differently we all approached it, so... Yeah, Jeez. this game is haunting. Like, for this past week, I've just been thinking about all the fucking puzzles that I'm stuck on. No, it, it's true, though. Like, it, it is a game that, that stays with you even when you're not playing it. And it's funny because I was seeing, um, I think it was Crozen who said he had actually... Because there's some of the puzzles that have, like, uh, I think they're called, like, tetanomial pieces. So oh, it's kind of like the Tetris parts. Yeah, yeah. there you go. It has, like, the little Tetris parts to it. And so I, I never even thought of this, but, like, uh, I think it was Crozen that mentioned it, that he was like, yeah, I actually cut out little shapes of paper and, like, was trying to make the puzzles <laughs> when I wasn't playing the game. And I was like, that's actually pretty brilliant. And then I saw somebody else that I follow on Twitter that was playing the game, and they were, like, taking pictures with their iPhone and, like, trying to do it while they were, like, at work and stuff so that when they got oh, home... Shit. They could be like, hey, like, I've got all these puzzles solved now. And I was like, man, that, again, that's, like, super brilliant. Yeah. And, like, it's so funny because there's, like, uh, there's at least a couple puzzles you get to where you can't actually see what you're doing. Right. And so, like, I, I don't know. There's, like, a part of me that's, like, I'm just visualizing it in my head and I make it work. And yep. then there's somebody else who's, like, oh, yeah, like, I had to draw that. Like, you know, somebody else like, well, I had to draw that out on paper. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but that's cool because you took a different approach, but you still got the solution. You still got the answers. And that, again, that's what I think this game is really all about is that, you know, there really isn't a right or wrong way and you can experience it how you want to experience it. Yeah. No, like I, 
I totally understand all the people that like write down in notebooks and all that kind of stuff. That shit doesn't work for me though. Like I have to do it all in my head. It doesn't make sense to me otherwise. And like I noticed myself doing a lot of these puzzles almost uh, treating it as like a turn-based game. So like every little section that I had to do, I would count that as like a turn and be like, okay, if I make this turn, then what's going to happen? What options are open to me after that? And like that was working for me really well for a long time. And then some other stuff came along and I just either wasn't understanding the rules fully or they just completely changed it up on me and that wasn't working so well anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, it's... it's uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. We, I think we could keep going like this for hours and hours and I think we're actually <laughs> kind of going in circles just saying the same thing because it, because it's so hard to talk about this game without directly giving things away, I feel like. Right. And, and, and I don't want to do that and I know you don't want to do that for people either. Like, we definitely agree that this is a game that you should go experience, but... Um, but yeah, do you have any final thoughts you want to cover real quick about the game? Um, yeah, like a, a lot of people um, think about this game as like just a line puzzle type of thing. We talked about how it's not that. Um, I got a really strong sense that this game was kind of similar to like Mist. Like you're on this island, you really don't know what's going on, you're just traveling around discovering things kind of i never really played mist um i think you said that you did so i don't know if i'm being accurate with that it's been quite a while but i don't know that i mean i don't know that i would make the comparison with that because and that's not to say that you're totally inaccurate it's just to say that i feel like this game is so different from anything else that's come out that it's I don't I don't know. I just I think it's really hard to compare this game to another game accurately that makes sense because I feel right. like it is such a different experience and I think it's so different because you're going to have such a different experience from player to player with it too. Yeah. Also today I saw that somebody speed ran this game to 100% completion in 3 hours, 16 minutes and 21 seconds, which Jesus also included like a 30 minute lunch break in that total time so that's just craziness because that's about the amount of time that it took me to get to a hundred puzzles yeah that's pretty freaking impressive like absolutely crazy to think that, that not only did they do that but they also stopped to take a sandwich break yeah so I guess if we're done talking about The Witness, then we have some listener questions. I just want to say real quickly, just oh, real quick, absolutely. that the the art design of this game is absolutely beautiful, super cool, and the sound design is, is as well. So that's my final thoughts on it. Go check it out. Experience it. It's not even 60 bucks. It's like 40 bucks. So it's really not that expensive. There's plenty of room on your PlayStation hard drive, even if you have the 500 gig one, for for this game to go on there. So definitely do yourself a favor and and check it out. We asked for questions, um, 
like we always do every week. Yeah. And we got some questions from John Camarena, and he asks, what are your thoughts on the next wave of VR hitting the market? With things like Google Cardboard all the way to Oculus Rift, there seems to be a version for every level of interest and budget, but will it catch on finally? Is VR the future of gaming and entertainment? That's a really good question. Um, do you want to go first? No. I'll, I'll see what you say, and then <laughs> okay. I'll... Fair enough. So, okay, so let me... I just want to make sure that I'm I'm following his question correctly. So he's wanting to know about the next wave of, of headsets. So I'm assuming he means things like the HTC... Uh, was it the View or the Vive? The Vive? Yeah, the HTC Vive. Um, Sony's got the project, like, Morpheus thing going on. Steam has a VR headset that they've been working on for a while now. That's the Vive. The Riff... Oh, yeah, you're right. That's just manufactured by HTC. That's correct. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's there's definitely some... Cont- Razer has theirs, the, the open VR, oh, yeah. the open source VR, OSVR, so they have theirs as well. So so he's saying he wants to know kind of about that and if... With, with VR becoming more consumer ex- uh, available. Right, that whether or not it's going to become the future of, of gaming. Right. Right? Okay. I do... I do feel that, you know, VR is where gaming is absolutely headed, and I think it makes perfect sense for when you think of what games are and and what they're about, right? So it's kind of about having an immersive experience that you get to go into these other worlds and explore them and discover them and, and all these sort of things. So I think to a certain extent, VR does work extremely well for that. I think, you know, the holodeck is the ultimate end-all be-all of of true VR experiences. And I think that's where eventually way, 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 way down the road, that's where we want to go. You know what I mean? Where you can actually have just this unbelievably real experience with all these, you know, pixelated things around you that you can't even tell are pixelated. But where we're at right now, I, I, I definitely think that VR is the future of gaming, but I still think we have a pretty long road to walk. It's definitely here to stay. And and the reason that I will say that that's for sure a thing is the fact that you've got Google who's involved, uh, which, quite frankly, they have nothing but money to throw at this project. And the other one being that, that Facebook bought the Oculus Rift for something like $2 billion or something crazy like that. Oh, yeah. So those are two major contributing factors as to why this isn't going away. And the third one, and this is going to shock a lot of people probably, and it's going to probably sound a little weird – But the third one is the fact that the porn industry is backing this. Because if there's anything that we know through technology and history, it's that once the porn industry backs something, that's where it's going. I mean, that's it's happened time and time and time again. And it's funny because they're an industry that typically spearheads new technology, like more so than than a lot of other industries that should be spearheading technology do. So it's kind of interesting from that standpoint. But they're already backing this. It's already, you know, taking off and people are really getting on board with that. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or you don't like it, you think it's wrong, you think it's right, well, it, it doesn't matter. It's happening. The other thing that I would say that's that's 
interesting from a film standpoint is the fact that you have this new movie that's coming out in theaters pretty shortly here. I think it's like in April called Hardcore Henry. Have you seen this? Oh, yes. It's it's <laughs> like a first person. It's like a first person shooter film. Yeah. Um, and it stars. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it necessarily stars him, but he's in it is the Charlotte Copley, the guy who's in District 9 mm-hmm. and um, the 18. Powers. Yeah, Powers Lee, he, and he's a great actor. You know what I mean? Like he, he's he's. I really enjoy him as an actor. He's a phenomenal actor. But you know, that's essentially a VR film experience that you have right there. There was also another studio that shot a, a fully VR horror film. Mm-hmm. So we're already producing film content for this as well. So there's another you know nail in in the pegboard, if you will, to, as to why I think this is going to stay around. When I say we still have a long road to walk, I, a lot of it, yes, is still the pricing side of things. Sure, there's Google, you know, cardboard, but you know, the stuff like the Rift being six hundred dollars, and you know, what the other ones end up being, you know what I mean? Like, what's the price on the PlayStation VR headset going to be? Well, I don't know yet, but I'm guessing it's going to probably be a couple hundred bucks minimum. Yeah, um, my guess would be the three to four hundred range, which. For a console gamer, that's a lot. That's the same price as your PS4, you know? So, I mean, yeah. is that really accessible? I don't know. Um, the other problem you have is that the hardware is still relatively in its infancy. And so there's a lot of people that suffer from nausea and motion sickness and, and even more so from VR because of the way the displays are and the way that you're interacting with them visually. So mm-hmm. I feel like the real year for VR starting is going to probably be like 2017, 2018. But I think it's going to stay around uh, indefinitely, sure. What about you, Chris? What are your thoughts? You know, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think that until somebody comes out with something that is really uh, consumer-friendly both in pricing and in ease of use. Um, It isn't completely going to take off. I think that it's still going to be very much in the realm of hobbyist. Uh, Basically only people who are really enthusiastic about this technology will do anything with it until that happens. Um, But Google seems to be trying very hard to make that happen Mm -hmm. and there have been reports that they're going to be coming out with a more uh, more like Samsung gear like headset for their cardboard uh, yeah like a higher quality presentation yeah and they're they're baking Google cardboard support right into their OS into Android um so they're they're doubling down on VR, and I absolutely think that this is the way things are going. Um, do I necessarily think that we're going to get to like a holodeck type scenario? And I'm not talking about uh, Microsoft's holodeck or Hololens, whatever it's called. Yeah, Hololenses. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think that we're really gonna get to that point. Ever. Really? But I would absolutely love to be proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to get to, like, Matrix status where it just jacks into our brain. Oh, man. I I would be all for that. I, I don't know 
how uh, accurate that is. I don't know that that'll actually happen, but man, I would love for that to be true. Here's another reason, if I could, if I could oh, jump yeah, in for absolutely. just a second, that I really think VR is going to stay around. And I, I read this a while back. I, I don't remember. I want to say it was around Christmas that this happens, I believe. But anyway, there was a doctor who actually used his iPhone and Google Cardboard to uh, save a little girl's life. Uh, apparently, she was born with like her heart in, in her left chest cavity or something like that where her lung was Mm -hmm. and normally because of you know visual representation and how small you know an infant is you can't really perform that type of surgery but because he was able to use the google vr cardboard thing to go in he could actually do the surgery Hmm. and this isn't the first time that i've heard of the medical industry getting behind virtual reality and doing kind of remote surgeries through virtual reality. And that's kind of where I kind of envisioned it going to is because, I mean, imagine that you're, you know, the world's leading specialist in, you know, neurosurgery or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you live in Spain, right? But now let's say that you can slap on a pair of whatever, the Oculus Rift, the Vive VR gear, whatever you want to call it, and do a remote brain surgery on a patient that's in Canada. Right. And that's not too far off. Like, that's pretty close to already happening. Like, remote uh, remote medical and remote doctor visits and things like that. Like, I, I filmed a web conference not too long ago that, uh, that was all about that. It was all about, you know, um, internet-based doctoring and, and solutions to that sort of stuff. And so with the medical industry also getting kind of on board with this and the implications of what that can bring to the table from a medical standpoint, I, I definitely think this is going to uh, fuel the fire and continue to have it stick around. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. Um, I guess it's in the implementation is where I kind of have to draw a line. Like, like I said, I don't think that we're going to be like fully in, uh, virtual environments. I don't think we'll get there for a long, long, long time. (laughs) Well, see, you say, I think we'll get there there eventually. And I say, I do probably won't happen. I would love for it to happen, but yeah, worst case scenario. I'm okay with the Oasis. I'll just say that. I'll t- I'll take that if nothing else can happen. I'll take the Oasis. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, like basically just feeding video it directly into our eyes. Easy, completely easy. Sure. Having like head tracking so that we can actually look around and see what that character would see in that uh, environment. Also, relatively easy having us uh, interact with that environment in a natural way that doesn't kind of break the illusion for us, mm-hmm. that's going to be the obstacle that we have to overcome. So that's my thought. No, I, I, I think you, I think you've got some really good points there and um, yeah, I don't know, uh, John, you know, maybe right back and we'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, kind of what you think is going to, happen and where that road's going to take us all right so any last thoughts about anything (laughs) 
No, I got nothing. I mean, we've we've once again managed to go over the one hour mark, so I think we're I think we're golden for for our content this week. Yeah, I'm good with what we said, and I think this is probably a good time to end it. Sure. So. I will say, you know, just uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. We're Pixels versus Players, and we're also on Facebook. And don't forget to go over players and check versus out Pixels. Yes, sorry, I say it backwards <laughs> all the time. My gosh, change it, reverse it. Um, who knew dyslexia also strikes spoken speech? Um, no, it really does. That's the crazy part of it, too. A lot of people don't know that. But um, yes, check out Players versus Pixels on Twitter and Facebook. And also, don't forget to check out geekleetradio.com. You can check out all the other shows that uh, Geekleet Radio does. Other than that, um, oh yeah, we do have a new hashtag, so if you do have questions, you can hashtag AskPVPCast, and uh, that should also help us find your questions a little bit easier on uh, the Twitter sphere. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't think I don't think I have anything else. You're on there, um, at Wizard, and I'm on there, at Ry Cohen. His wizard is www.yzerd. Is that correct? I believe that's yes, correct. Yes, that is All correct. All right, got, got that one down. <laughs> um, and then uh, mine is Ry Cohen, so it's R-I-C-O-W-N. Um, so, yeah, just go ahead and give us a follow. Give us some comments and talk to us. We're on there. I'm on there way more than he is, so if you say something yep. to him, he'll get back to you next you know, year um, <laughs> when we're in holodecks and stuff like that. And uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So there's that. <laughs> you know, that that's probably a fair assessment. Yeah, it's all good, though. Yeah, I think until next time, all we have left is uh, geek out, right? Yes, sir. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.